Welcome to the Boss Lady Podcast, a podcast that gives you the edge. Each episode, we will be discussing strategies, tools, and techniques to support and empower all women. We'll break down the best ways to secure your deserved seat at leadership tables like serving on boards, being in the C-suite, or running for elective office. I'm Teresa Rand, and this is the Boss Lady Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Boss Lady Podcast. I'm Al Smith with Teresa Rand, the founder and CEO of Boss Lady. Hello. How are we doing? Good. Good. I know it won't be when this show drops, but I don't really care because the actual day today is National Podcasting Day. I saw that. So excited. It's like, yeah. And I am one of those. We are are one of those. We are. So, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, I saw that today. It's like, cool. Are we in double digits yet with shows? I don't know. I, I've lost count. We're close. We're at 11, no, Bobby 11. says. Bobby, okay. show, if I can count his fingers, he's showing sure. up fingers over there. It's hard to show 11 with two hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your toes. All right. So, but yeah. yeah, so it's uh, exciting. And so for those, Teresa, I always like to sh- start the show because we get new listeners. And we mm-hmm. got a lot of listeners. I'm so happy and proud all at the same time. Almost 800. Yes, not that I look at it yeah, every not that she- day. <laughs> <laughs> I get these cool texts from her. It makes, yeah. makes my day to see yeah. that. But uh, we won because we're touching a lot of people, and, and, and I think you're making a difference. So maybe for those who haven't listened before, let's talk a little bit about Boss Lady and besides this podcast, yeah. how they can yeah. get involved. In Boss Lady is an organization that turned a year old in August, and many of you have heard me say there was a former Boss Lady group for just entrepreneurs, and um, that young lady moved to Mexico, so... I bought all the rights from her to intellectual property and started this group for women. And I love to use a play on my last name being Rand, that this truly is a random group of women. Right. We, a bunch of us took a walk this morning and we were saying, you know, we've got all walks of life in this group and um, entrepreneurs, retired women, um, women that um, are still working in corporate America. I mean, it's just a really good group. And our sole purpose is to empower each other, to support all women, to embrace each other's ideas and thoughts, and then education. So we meet virtually twice a week. We did. We used to meet face-to-face some, but now we're becoming more global. We're having people from other areas, and of course, the pandemic forced us to meet virtually. But every Monday, we just do a noon check-in call for the members just to see how everybody's doing and what's going on if they need anything. And then Thursday night is an educational component. And um, we do everything from book studies to we've had a therapist on, which was actually on our podcast last week. And um, we've had doctors on. We've had lawyers on. We've had politicians, just therapists. Yeah, just whatever. And wine has been involved. Yeah, it's called cocktails and conversations (laughs) on Thursday night. Uh, But you can bring water. We can cut coffee and I started to say coffee and cocktails. You'd see where I've got a cocktail while we're there. But um, the group is 25 bucks a month to join. And uh, my goal for the group is that it grows bigger and bigger and that there are people in other areas that want to copy this other areas, other cities, other states, 
because it's really a cool model that um, I've even been blown away at how much fun it's been and how cool it is to meet women that are just very different. You might not have met them before and and, we're all doing business together. And and, and I think important to point out there's, the age, like you said, oh, yeah. difference and in, in yep. where you come from in life, but also the age in which you come at it. Is, our youngest is, member right now is 23 and our oldest is in her 80s. How about that? And um, we just did a kayak trip for the local group this weekend. And our youngest on that trip was 24 and our oldest was in her 80s. Uh-huh. And it was great. So we want to duplicate that all over the place. And, and once again, if somebody wants to, there's a Facebook group I know, or where would you suggest yep. they go first to The to easiest thing up? to do, you can go to uh, TeresaRanConsulting.com, and it's got everything about the Boss Lady there. You just click on the tab that says Boss Lady. You can find all the links to the podcast. You can find the application, all the information, our, our weekly newsletter that comes out. And you can fill out information there, and we can communicate. So that's the easiest way to do it. Teresa, with no H, TeresaRanConsulting.com. And um, and you, as I like to kid you, are, are the most type A person I know. And I mean, I mean this in the nicest of <laughs> Thank ways. Thank you, I think. <laughs> You're very organized. I admire that. But uh, So you're already, the reason I bring that up is your group's already like, Looking at 2021 and vision. We are. And, We're yeah. about to plan a visioning session. I'm ready to bury yeah. 2020 myself. So <laughs> and I think I that has a lot to do with it. I think people are, normally people don't start thinking about their next year's vision till December between Christmas, New Year's, you know, but all of a sudden I'm seeing it in our community pages where people are like, okay, how can I finish 2020 strong, um, which has a whole different or just finish conversation or just finish <laughs> our connotation than it had last year. But what are we going to do 2021? Because I don't think Al, we, I don't think anybody believes that January 1st, we're going to wake up and the world's going to be drastically different than it is today. We hope, but I think yeah. it's probably not. So what are we going to do? And so we're going to have, I like to call it a visioning, dreaming, manifesting yeah. What next year is going to look like. Well, even my procrastinating self is is motivated yeah. this year to do that. To be done. I know you <laughs> to move on we talked to about that. Year, so. To be done. Yep. Oh, good. Absolutely. Well, terrific. You've got uh, a busy, we've got a busy show. So we do have a busy show. i say we take a quick break, come back with a very special guest. Perfect. Whether you are an entrepreneur, climbing the corporate ladder, or stay-at-home mom, you are a boss lady. Check out TeresaRanConsulting.com and find out how you can join our unique group of women. Together, we are cultivating growth by embracing, empowering, and educating each other. Check us out today. All right, welcome back to the Boss Lady Podcast. And before we get to our guest, um, Let's do random. Th- I always like this because um, this is interactive, right? We yeah. get people to send you random, yep. random thoughts, and, and we share. It is interactive. I have a phone number, but nobody will use the phone number, so I keep getting them off Facebook. I'll okay. just put a post on the community and say, "Somebody send me a random thought," and I get five or six. And they're I'll, afraid they might have to talk to somebody. I know, right? <laughs> That's the latest thing. <laughs> and of course, I immediately take them and I put them in my Word document, and they go into my file labeled podcast of course it, yes so, is there is there so, a color coded and then too? they're color coded yes, literally by which ones i've used and have i sent them their gifts so yes to all of the above 
But this is the first time we've had a random thought for the day on the Boss Lady podcast from a man. Yeah. And this is a coach, Don Grinstead. He used to work with me when I worked at the YMCA. And then he decided he really, really missed real football. You know, we did flag football at the Y yeah. and he's a big guy. So he moved and went back to the school. I'm drawing a complete blank. I want to say Philadelphia, but I'm sure he'll let me know yes. that that's wrong. But anyway, so he sent one in because he follows all of our stuff. And he says, you will get comfortable with one of two types of pain in your life. The pain of disappointment or the pain of discipline. One leads to lifelong happiness. The other can lead to a life of misery. It truly is the most important decision you'll ever make for yourself. Hmm. Profound. You have to read that. Yeah. yeah. The pain of disappointment or the pain of discipline. Yeah, my first thought was, <laughs> is, is I, some things I discipline and some things I'm not. Yeah. I feel the pain in one and not in the other. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, and it's funny, you know, Don and I did work together, and I'm a big proponent of discipline. Um, I believe that's just a trait that you need to survive and to be successful is discipline, discipline. And sometimes it is painful, but you have a choice. I think it also speaks to something I know you do and I'm I'm doing as well, which is coaching. Absolutely. And sometimes we find in, in certain parts of our lives where we're trying to excel or move forward or grow that we need, we can't think we can do it all ourselves and and to have a coach to help us uh, through those, even if it's just a short period of time or just one part of your life. One of the statistics I recently, and I might've heard it from, from my coach, but I know it's true in my own coaching practice is that less than like 3% of the people actually follow through with the things that they uh, say they're going to do. And especially when they buy from a coach or they buy, they have a mastermind group or an accountability group, less than 3% after they've spent money. And it's amazing, but I see that in my own practice. You know, you work with someone in a coaching and they show up without having done their assignment or their reading or their homework and, and then wonder why they're not successful. And you can only coach people that are actually coachable. (laughs) Yes. You know? Um, so that's one of the first things I go over with my clients is how it's actually in my agreement that they sign. How coachable are you? And I have a list <laughs> of like 10 things that they kind of answer and read through that they're disciplined, they're committed, they're open-minded, they're open to change, all of those things, because I, I can't work magic with a client. No. It, well, all I can do, do is ask the questions and the answers are within you so absolutely yeah. no that's that's part of the deal but usually when they seek help it's a little higher percentage than yeah if they don't yeah. at all right so. yeah and i don't know that somebody's gonna google that and say where'd you get that from i'm pretty sure it's my coach told me that yeah. but anyway no, i think that's a and that was her way of because she knows i won't be in that three percent if she told me that <laughs> no i would not think hey, you yep nope <clears throat> put you in the top one percent yes so I would here think. we go all right, so today we have two guests, Yes, and we're going to start with Dr. Connie Mitchell, and then we're going to end with our youngest guest, Sage Day, who you'll hear about in a little bit. But let me start by Dr. Connie, and she goes by Dr. Connie, right? 
I have your permission to, I read that on your bio or your Facebook or something. Um, and literally, I met Dr. Connie through Facebook. Happened to be that she is the sorority sister of another friend of mine, Primrose Cameron, who was on our podcast a couple weeks ago. So um, it's a small world in Facebook land. Yes. Small world. And as Bobby and Al say, you know, I got a lot of smart friends, and this is yet yes. another one. So here we go. Dr. Connie E. Rivers Mitchell is an award-winning educator and servant leader, as well as a dedicated wife and loving mother of one son, Benny C. Mitchell III. Dr. Mitchell is a Georgia native, which we'll have to talk about, blessed with many gifts, skills, and talents. In the, oh, I lost my place. For knowledge, extensive service in multiple areas, and proficiency for problem-solving makes her a sought-after consultant. In the areas of research, education, wellness, and the nonprofit sector, she honed her skills and formed Rivers Edge Stream, S-T-R-E-A-M, and consulting in 2015. Dr. Connie, as she's affectionately known by her I Rise to STEM Youth Enrichment Scholars, has impacted her community by creating innovative pathways for learning and encouraging positive youth engagement for the underserved. She is also a proponent for healthy, sustainable living as a chiropractic advocate, avid supporter of the American Cancer Society, and volunteer for the uh, 4-H Youth Development Program. She is a former executive board member and membership chair for the American Black Chiropractic Association, known as ABCA, where she was, in just in 2019, awarded the Community Outreach Program of the Year by that organization because of her work in mentoring and enriching the minds of our youth with science, technology, engineering, and mathematics programming. She is the co-recipient of the I-Member I Research Award for her collaborative project on Multiculturally Relevant Pathways to STEM and the co-author of a STEM Educator's Book. Additionally, she works actively within her community to give our youth a voice in areas such as social justice, legislative concerns, which, uh, concerns which impact them directly. During the last legislative year, she supervised college youth in canvassing and calling registered voters regarding the proposed Amendment 4 to the Constitution of Florida, ensuring the restoration of voting rights for individuals with former nonviolent felony convictions, which passed in November of 2018. Dr. Connie strives to enrich the minds of our youth. She is spiritually guided by the biblical scripture Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 6. Welcome. Well, thank you so much. You still have your breath. That I awesome. barely have my breath, <laughs> and I didn't even read everything. I marked stuff out and was like, oh, I want to I want to do more talking than I do reading. Awesome. So, yeah. Thank you so much, and I'm honored for you to have me yeah. here. Yeah. Love having you here, and uh, you know it is a funny story, but l truly, this is the first time I've met you face to face, right? Other than on a Zoom call, That's we had correct. our conversation on race call, and you popped in, but you didn't show your face on I that Zoom call. <laughs> I usually pop in and out on Zoom, <laughs> yeah, depending so, on what's happening in the background. So I'm excited to to 
personally meet you. We've had a lot of correspondence, obviously, over the last couple of weeks. Um, but, you know, I, I was making questions, and now please jump in because there's so much material here with Dr. Connie. Um, but the love, it sounds like, is the nonprofit work, even though you're a doctor of chiropractic and you do, mm-hmm. what you tell me, you do research? Yes, clinical Tell research. us briefly about that, and then we're going right, to talk about so what you're passionate about. The, the gist not of it is I've always that. wanted to do research. Um, I'm one of those people who noticed a lot of things growing up. Uh, my family had a lot of health issues throughout different um, branches of the family tree. And the one that really struck me was my own grandmother, my maternal grandmother, who helped my mom raise mm-hmm. us. Um, she had breast cancer mm-hmm. and she was diagnosed, uh, I believe, my junior or senior year in high school. And so that was a very impactful uh, time. And then I actually moved to Florida to attend Bethune-Cookman College at the time, now mm-hmm. university, yeah. and she died my first semester mm-hmm. in college. And so um, that's just a part of my story. Yeah. And I always said, I'm going to find a cure for cancer. Nah. And so that was my motivation. And so I majored in chemistry at Bethune-Cookman, received my uh, chemistry degree, my BS. and uh, But I didn't exactly take the biomedical path right. at first. Um, even though I had done uh, my internship at Argonne National Laboratory up in Illinois and all of these different things, just you, sometimes what you plan doesn't happen. Uh, most times. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> it's so, a whole nother show, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Taking another turn really quickly. I married my college sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had our son and then, you know, bills came. <laughs> so you got to pay some bills. Reality. <laughs> Reality. Yeah. Reality hit. Um, and so I ended up teaching. But the research, years after I taught, so that was my first career, oh, teaching. Okay. Wow. And I'm a third-generation teacher. My mother wow. taught, my grandmother taught, aunts, uncles, between teachers and engineers, we had it all. Awesome. Uh, but um, I also never left that dream of doing research mm-hmm. because I, my mom taught high school science and chemistry and oh, so, so i love the, the tinker stuff yes. yeah so the stem was plant the stem seed was planted early. really really early right. um so i always wanted to go back to that and i had that opportunity once i graduated from palmer college of chiropractic in florida um i was actually offered a position in their uh the iowa which is the fountainhead mm-hmm. is what we call it because mm-hmm. that's where chiropractic began over 100 plus right. years ago actually 125 to be exact. Uh, But the Palmer Center for Chiropractic Research had a position that was actually remotely done here in Florida. So it was a perfect transition from my receiving my doctor of chiropractic degree and adding on that research component that I love so much. And so I did that for several months. And then there was a um, opportunity to apply to become a fellow. And so I became a, um, I applied to be a clinical research fellow while I was still working for Palmer. And uh, lo and behold, out of hundreds of applicants, I was one of three chosen. Wow. And that was back in 2010. And so that's been 10 years ago. And I can't believe it. But I'm one of three chosen, the only African-American chosen, the only female chosen. And I had to move to Iowa quickly. Wow. (laughs) Yes. And your son would have been my son was in middle school at oh, the yeah, time. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So still at home. Yeah. yeah. So my husband and son stayed in so Daytona. So this was 2010? 10, yes. And you were the only female 
and the only African-American? Yes. We're going to hear about this later with our next guest and the poem that she wrote. But yeah, we still have a long way to go. We still have a long way to go, especially when you're talking about the medical field or anything dealing with healthcare or anything dealing with the sciences, period. Um, There's still a lot of first and a lot of onus. And my thing is, I may be the first and I may be the only, but I will knock down that door for the next. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm always about helping the next one in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just wanted to hone in on that because, you know, the whole boss lady premise is supporting all women. And often I hear people say, well, you know, women already have all the rights and I don't know why. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So whenever I hear a a yeah. real example like that that just happened in the last decade. Right. Like, no. Right. There's something still holding us back. I think the statistic for the field of chiropractic is less than 8% African-American doctors. Um, I don't know the percentage for women. The women um, percentage is rising, though. Yeah. I go to a lot of conferences, even though I don't actively practice. Right. Um, well, brick and mortar, I don't right. practice, right. but I consult. And um, I still walk into conferences where I'm the The only only one one. that looks like me. And a lot of times now, depending on what the topic is, you know, you'll see the division where maybe you'll see more of the women doctors in the pediatric room or more of the guys in the sports chiropractic room. And so you still see divisions like that. But um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But good thing so, I'm comfortable in my own skin. So you're still doing that, <laughs> mm-hmm. but in 2015, you yeah. started your nonprofit. I did. So the the what happened between those two times is I became really ill. Oh, okay. I was really sick, and I actually became sick when I was teaching. And I was teaching math for Volusia County Schools for many years, and then um, I taught at Bethune-Cookman University at my alma mater, uh, math as well. And I was sick the entire time. No doctor knew what was wrong. I had gone to several specialists all across this country. Um, Even when I was in Iowa, I was afforded the opportunity to even go to University of Iowa Hospital. And so I just received my true diagnosis this past year. And so for 17 years, I suffered, but I pushed through. Just like we boss ladies do. That's what we do. (laughs) That's what we do. That's what Um, we do. Nothing never... Nothing ever knocked me down. I pushed through. And with the grace of God and his mercy, I'm here today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Yes. Thank glad. you. So tell me, because when I was reading your bio, and actually Al and I were sharing before you came, and it says you form River's Edge Stream. Mm-hmm. And while I know what STEAM is and mm-hmm. STEM is, I was right. like, what is the R? What is the R? So we had to. Own yeah. up to our ignorance, yes. I guess, and ask you. And then right. it was like, duh. So talk to us about River's Edge Stream. And I know I see on your Facebook a lot of robotics, a yeah. lot. I mean, just a lot. Right, right. So, um, well, let me back up a little bit. So when I was in undergrad um, as a science major, um, I was here for a program called FGAMP. That's the Florida, Florida Georgia Alliance for Minority Participation in Science, Engineering, uh-huh. and Math. Uh-huh. So the end of it was SEM, S-E-M. That's before technology okay, had their footing. Right. Um, I won't date myself. Yeah. We didn't even have email yet, but I'll yeah. just say. <laughs> Remember those days. Right. right. Um, I believe I, I received my first email address right before I graduated. <laughs> so y'all can count back how far that was still using floppy disks. But uh, 
<laughs> yeah, but um, it was Sam. And then when technology started having its footing, um, the World Wide Web came out and all that. Then it became STEM. Yeah. And then um, then people started realizing, well, engineers even have to have creativity. Yeah. So then they added in the STEAM. I don't know any engineers right? with well, To design, <laughs> even architecture, that's designing, yeah, they, even yeah, though they use a lot absolutely. of math, right? So um, the A came in for arts yeah, and STEAM. And then... Of course, educators realize, wait a minute, we got to have reading across all of these disciplines because if you can't read and understand and comprehend the information, then how are you going to let anybody else know what you're doing? So stream as in the reading literacy. And so that's very important. Um, Even though it's not a household acronym yet, a lot of you are local libraries. Even the libraries here in Volusia County are doing an awesome job with stream. Um, There is a huge STEM lab in our one of our major libraries, the City Island Library. Yeah. And I hope once we're out of this pandemic or maybe before, it doesn't matter because the pandemic hasn't stopped me yet. Right. Um, that we'll be able to do STEM kits for some of the smaller awesome. libraries. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you get your funding? Do you write grants? Do you... <sighs> I know. I, I know. should have I was, asked my husband I was one. a fundraiser too and I, I get well, it. in the beginning, <laughs> it was literally the change out of our pockets. Yeah. Uh, my husband would buy snacks and I would buy supplies. All right. And so back in 2015, the summer, um, I just before I started this program, I was a student in the city of Daytona Beach's Citizens Academy yeah. program yeah. where you get to learn how the city works, operates right. and all of that. And through that connection, I was able to meet the people in leisure services. Mm-hmm. And so when this idea came about, I said, I need a building. How am I going to get kids right. together without a building? I need computers. And so we were um, blessed, really, with the opportunity to work with Leisure Services, State of, City of Daytona Beach. They sponsored us our first year, our oh, first summer. Awesome. And we were in that YSG, the Yvonne Scholar Golden yeah, Center, which was awesome, Beautiful. named after right. our former mayor, right. who yeah. was the first African-American right. female mayor of yeah. City of Daytona and Beach. And my good friend, I yeah. must say. Oh, yes. oh really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know her, obviously, yeah. she was before I moved here. Yes. But yeah. yeah, she was awesome. She um, was. And so we were, actually, the city took care of registration because I didn't know how to do any yeah. of that at the time. Um, they took care of all of our marketing for us. And we were able to meet there. We met three one-week sessions in that summer, and we kicked off from there. We kept it moving. So what are the barriers? Now, you focus on primarily, um, um, what's the word you use here, multicultural, what do you in the inner city, maybe, or underserved? So we make sure that, or, yeah, underserved youth. And that doesn't mean anything with socioeconomic. It just okay. means that we want to make sure that youth have access yeah. to high-quality STEM programming because it wasn't happening. I looked around. I'm a science geek. I'm a science right. nerd. And I was teaching math at the time. And then I would talk to kids in the neighborhood. And I was like, do you know what STEM is? No, what's that? Yeah. And so even parents would not know what it meant they were thinking i was talking about a plant and i so i would explain <laughs> yeah. what that yeah. was and i had to do some prayers about that because you know and the lord had to lead me say you know you have to educate them yeah so education runs through everything that we do no matter if we think about it or not and isn't the big help here is is when you're able to they can learn while they're applying yes. whatever it is technology right. or science exactly right the ability to so i'm assuming that's what happens with leisure services you're able to create projects or yes. do things that 
there was an end result, something they could con- concretely see right. that they've done, rather mm-hmm. than reading a science book. Right? right. That's what seems that this seems to have really taken hold. Yeah. Because of the ability to uh, apply to that, something. to apply right. what you learn, and then it can lead to something that you do with life that pays well. Right, exactly. Right? So that is the major point is planting those seeds early so that later on they have a skill. My right. mom was always about us having specific skills right. that my sisters and I could use to later sustain ourselves, right, right? to be Absolutely. self-sustainable. And so that's our key thing is self-sustainability for the kids. They don't realize now that building Legos and uh, yeah. playing robots. One thing about education yeah. starts with play for yeah. kids. And so if you actually notice and observe children while they're playing, they are solving problems right there in mm. the front of your face, right? So um, my mom, she was a science teacher, but she, I don't know, she was a little eclectic. Um, she was older when she had us. And so she had all kind of time when we were growing up. Yeah. So we would take nature walks. Well, she didn't call them nature walks, but our yard was so big in Georgia yeah. that we would just go on these nature walks and collect butterflies. And she would show us how to classify rocks. And we thought every kid grew up like that. Yeah, so yeah. We had a lot of fun. And you were from where in Georgia? Sil- Sylvester. So don't let my Georgia draw come out. Well, I, mine too. <laughs> well, um, together, I grew out. up in Macon, Georgia, but I raised my children in Albany, Georgia. Really? And okay. Sylvester used to have the prettiest Christmas lights. I, they I still remember do. that, and but they it was still this do. quaint little town yes. and just really cool um, Christmas lights. They decorated the and whole town. Every time I go home, I say, Nobody has Christmas lights Isn't like Sylvester, Georgia. So I look at these Hallmark movies, yeah. right? The Christmas That's movies. What, yeah. And I'm like, Why don't we do that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, my mom lived in Jacksonville, so when she would come to visit us in right. Albany, she always went through Sylvester. Yeah, she always loved go it through during Sylvester. Christmas time. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because you have to go through somewhere to get to Plus Albany. Plus, we have the but, Peter Pan plant, yeah, so we are right. the peanut capital. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. My <laughs> yeah. oldest daughter, and if she's listening to this, she's going to strangle me. But she was the Little Miss Peanut Queen at oh, one time. Okay. She was Little Miss Albany, and she okay. was in the Sylvester Parade. Beautiful. Oh, and then now she's going, Mom. I know. Mom. I know. But I know. She was. Yes. <laughs> I loved growing up in Sylvester, Georgia. Uh, Worth County was, I mean, my whole family was, yeah. um, well, not my whole family. My dad is from South Carolina, but um, my whole mo- my mother's side right. was from um, that area. So we just enjoyed it. Yeah. So tell me the transition. You know, we got a doctor chiropractic, and then you've got this nonprofit. And then at the very end of your bio, you talk about working with college kids, uh, college youth, about Amendment 4. Mm-hmm. And I have family members in prison, mm-hmm. and I've followed that. Mm-hmm. And I have a very strong opinion on the fact that we voted for something, and we haven't now gotten it's it yet. being changed. Right. Um, so how and why? Cause, I mean, that doesn't have really anything to do with STREAM. It doesn't, but guess what? My grandfather was a charter uh, member of the NAACP in Worth County, Georgia. You know what? I'm going to stop you for a minute. We probably should tell everybody what Amendment 4 is because not all of our listeners are from Florida. So you want to give us just a brief what Amendment 4 is? The gist of it is that um, it was taking a very long time for those who were um, former felons or who um, needed to restore their rights to vote. And it took the the governor's committee and all these different red tape strings mm-hmm. to be able to have your right to vote back. 
And we're talking about um, people who had felony crimes, but they were non, um, what do they call it? Nonviolent. Yes, nonviolent crimes. So, you know, white collar crimes, Mm -hmm. all these different things Mm -hmm. that happened. Uh, And so, but it was taking years upon years for them to have their rights to vote. Depending on the governor. Depending on the governor (laughs) who was in office Mm -hmm. at the time. Um, depending on the committee he put together, because mm-hmm. I don't know, Are still not. he, right? Because has yeah. there been a she governor yet? No. no. Okay. I was just checking. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm not a Floridian. No, there yeah. by yeah. nature. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. That was good. Um, <laughs> I like the way you said that. Yeah. That was really good. So, note that one. We'll right. save that for So, um, yeah. And so there needed to be, uh, because people were getting their lives back together. But yet they weren't having that um, right that so many people fought yeah, for. A say. Yes. It should have a, a say in how their taxes are their done time. and how their money is earned. Right. Yeah. And how their money is spent. Yeah. Right. And I remember actually when um, Desmond, and I'm drawing a blank on it. Mead. Mm-hmm. Mead, thank mm-hmm. you, who's been a huge proponent of this, was a former fellow, or is a former fellow, now is an attorney. Mm-hmm. And he came to speak to a local group here and um he brought up the subject it was really the first. I mean, I voted for it, but listening to him, you know, I learned a lot more. And I remember saying that I stood up that day and said, I, I obviously think they should get their right to vote, mm-hmm. but their biggest concern is finding a job. Yes. If you're a convicted felon, I mean, you can barely cut grass. Right. So that's a whole nother issue. Yeah. And, and what Desmond said, he was very kind and said, we got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, so then when the people spoke, over 60% voted for this. Mm-hmm. And even before that and happened in Volusia County, they, they no. had the entire campaign about the box on the application. Yes, right. Where, you Miguel know, Turi, yep. right, making yep. sure that it's not required right. to have to check the box that you right. were a former felon. Right. Because what did that have to do with you performing that exactly. job? So there's been a lot of push in that area because we find that the res- I never say that word correctly. Recidivism. Thank you. Well, that's <laughs> a tongue twister. Yeah. Um, rates would actually increase if you gave people the rights that those around them have yeah. and those that were earned um, by them. So, um, you know, we find that because my husband works at DJJ, so he oh, works with the wow. children version, okay. you know, and before they even have the right to vote, yeah. um, you have a lot of kids who really go right back in. Right. It's a cycle. They go right back in, right back in. Yeah. And so where does it actually stop? Where yeah. do you catch them? So I interrupted you, but you were saying that your grandfather was. Yeah. So I can't even tell interest. you the year because like I said, my mom had us late. But mm-hmm. the point of that is um, she learned about. Her, she was very aware of her rights. Mm-hmm. My grandmother was very aware. And so they taught us very well. I say us, it's three of us girls. Okay. Uh, people thought we were triplets growing up, but um. we're not. We're singles, <laughs> but we're a year apart. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So um, exactly a year apart, actually. Wow. So, um, but we were raised to honor the law, but also know our rights. Right, absolutely. And so, and not to let anyone tell us any different. Right. So um, that was something I'm talking about. I can't even tell you how young we were when we knew that. Yeah. Um, and so I was telling someone the other day, I think on the um, sh- on the um, Zoom call right. for the book that right. we're reading, um, how I walked into the doctor's office right there in my hometown. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that there were two waiting rooms. Yeah. And this was in the 80s. Yeah. 
And I couldn't believe it. And I, I didn't know why. And I asked my mom, I said, why are there two waiting rooms in a doctor's office? And it was a common waiting room. It's a small right. town. So, you know, everybody goes to the same doctor, really. Right. I think there were only three doctors mainly in town. And so she had to explain that to me. And I said, well, that makes no sense. Yeah. And I pounced myself right on up to the receptionist. Well, why do you all have two <laughs> waiting rooms in here? <laughs> one is big and bright. The other one's dark uh, and small. And wow. I didn't understand why. And so everything is a teachable moment. And so my mom made sure she let us know why. And I bet you by that next year, though, there was one big waiting room. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But sometimes even as a child, you have a voice. And that's what I try to bring to our STEM kids. I rise to STEM scholars is your voice matters to us. And I want to always create a safe space for them to share their voices. Um, Back in, I can't even remember the year now. Uh, we've been doing this five years, but this is our sixth school year now. But we did have a legislative forum for the youth during mm-hmm. one of our summer programs. We have programs during the summer and our specified retreats during the spring break season um, initially. And then so now we have full school year programs, right. academic year. But the kids were able to ask questions. The supervisor of election came out, talked about the importance of voting um, some of the women voters leagues were there to talk to the youth and they were able to ask questions and they did STEM yeah, all day as well. I love it. They did 3D printing. They did some uh, building of things and um, just want to show them how you can merge all of this knowledge yeah. together to be able to come up with solutions. Yeah. Well, and that's a great segue into our next young guest, which is Sage Day. And Sage has been part of your programs, but I know her mom and, and you and Dr. Uh, Primrose Cameron, who was on a few weeks ago, are all sorority sisters. So yes. that was how Sigma I was able to find you through the back yes. door. Right. Um, but Sage, who you'll meet in a few minutes, actually has won a national poetry contest she talking has. about women's rights to vote when she was in the third grade. Yes. She's now only in the fourth. Right. So it makes sense that it's all important. It Just well-rounded important. education. We teach the whole child. What are our rights and what do we look forward to and... You know, what do we need to speak up? Because, you know, we've got some very bright kids. We tend to always hear, I was on a call today where somebody was, you know, oh, woe is me with millennials and all. And the older we get, the more we get into that conversation. But then you meet somebody like you and the work you're doing and and Sage. But before I introduce Sage, I want to end my segment with you by asking you a couple of random questions that I ask okay. at the this end. This is the hardest part of the show. It right? is. It I is. know. I'm like, woo, sweat beads and everything. All right, so Some really crucial things what, we need to know. What one piece of advice would you give your younger self? Hmm. Wow. Listen to your mother. She was right. Uh, yeah. yeah. My mom was really right about a lot of things. She was one of those moms who made sure... We were well-rounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to the opera. We went to plays. Yeah. We got a chance to meet Alex Haley. Oh, wow. Um, wow. I didn't understand the impact of that oh, yeah. until I was in college. Yeah. And we were talking about the book Roots. And I said, I met him. And people were like, you met him? Wow. I'm like, yeah. So there are things that kids don't like to do. And yeah. parents sometimes kind of teeter-totter on should they push them. And I'm here to tell you push them. Push them. Yeah. Because they need that push. Because the exposure to many different yeah. things is what builds the character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, that. I don't know if you remember, that's how I answered that question. On the introductory <laughs> podcast, really? Al asked <laughs> okay. me these questions, uh-huh. and I said it a little differently, and my mom laughed. I said <laughs> the advice I would have given my younger self 
is to listen to your mom earlier. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I didn't really yeah. start listening very right. well until I was older. You know, you hear yeah. them yeah. talking. It, it sits in there somewhere. Yeah. But you don't really act on that information until later. Exactly. <laughs> That's so true. what book are you reading right now? Well, the same book you're reading. Uh, so, okay. So you want to talk about race. Yeah. And I cannot pronounce the author's name. I can't. Can you? Okay. Uh, she pronounced. Well, I'm listening to the audio. Oh, and Google, it's not right. read by her. But okay. it's. The I is like size. Jamoma. Uh-huh. Yeah. Jomo. The I. Jomo. Aluo. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the author reads or mm-hmm. the lady that's reading it. I'm on about chapter 13. I'm almost through. It's really, really okay. good. I have to be honest. I only did a little bit because I'm busy right now. <laughs> Because we had to revamp and relaunch the STEM program because of the pandemic. pandemic. But I have to say, um, it's actually been a blessing in disguise. Uh, We we, um, we pivoted back in April. Mm -hmm. And then we created something called the Dr. Connie STEM Lab. And so now we have kids from all over the United States in our program Um, rather than just our locale. See, that's what we're doing with Boss Lady. We're meeting locally. And now we've got people listening and showing up. From right. everywhere. Yeah. So right now, even the kids are doing robotics virtually. Mm. Their facilitators are out of Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, so cool. it's a beautiful thing. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So if you were a color, what color would you be and why? Wow. So I have a couple of colors in my, I love a good palette. So uh, <laughs> purple is the color of royalty. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've always been told this has always been my favorite color. But yeah. I would have to say red is an awesome color because yeah. red shows up when people are angry. Red shows up when people are feeling cool and just want to be bold and vibrant. Yeah. And so I just celebrated my 45th birthday. Ah, and so I'm feeling bold this entire month. So I'm in celebration mode. So well, watch out world. Geez, <laughs> you've already accomplished a lot in the first yeah. 45. That's so, right. Bobby, is red your favorite color? Okay, Bobby's over awesome. here going, yes, yes, yes. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Bobby's well, our head. producer. <laughs> I'm, I'm a ginger. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, of course, right. that's right. Your red hair. <laughs> of course, that's your favorite color. Mm-hmm. Bobby is our producer for you guys that are new listening. And every now and then I look over and he's making faces or comments or something. So, And that's funny. Red. Those two colors actually fit right into our sorority. Uh, crimson cream oh, on our major okay. colors, which is basically red and white. And then our uh, flower is the African violet, well, which is purple. There you so go. It's always good for me. The universe puts it all together, it right? It sure does. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know that I found you because you posted, we're obviously Facebook friends, but you posted something about our next guest. Yes, we do shout out. Day. And, so, yeah. and when I saw that, I was like, oh, look at that poem. Yes. Look at that. And that's when I went to work behind the scenes that mm-hmm. I got to have the two of you on the show. Awesome. So with that, we're going to introduce Sage and chat with her for a few minutes. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Thank Connie, you for having for me. For being here and for the work you do. Thank it's you. incredibly important work. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank, Thank you so you. much. So now I am going to introduce our next guest, not that Dr. Connie is not an awesome guest, but this next guest is really special, and her name is Sage, and Sage is a third grader, Sage Day was a third grader in Miss Julia West gifted class at Cypress Creek Elementary School in Port Orange, Florida, when she wrote the poem that you'll hear about in a moment. She is currently enrolled in Volusia County Online Virtual School, of course, due to the COVID pandemic. Her fourth grade gifted teacher is Mrs. Brenda Compton. Sage is an avid tennis player, 
When she's not playing tennis, she enjoys jigsaw puzzles, reading, and riding her bicycle. During the pandemic, Sage is taking up gardening. She enjoys growing herbs and vegetables. That's pretty cool. So I asked Sage to be on our show because she is a she's the youngest boss lady I've interviewed so far, but she won a national poetry contest from the Daughters of the American Revolution. And when she reads your poem, those of you that have been listening to past episodes will know why it really struck home with me and the passion that I have for what uh, women do, can do, and still need to do. So, Sage, welcome. Thank you. You want to start reading your poem, and then I'll ask you some questions about it, okay? I'll read it from there. Thank you. The title is 1920-2020. 100 years ago, women were not allowed to vote. I know it's hard to believe, but this is not a joke. In 1848, the women's right movement began. Women were tired of being mistreated, so they started a plan. In 1913, they marched into Washington, D.C., in the Women's Suffrage Parade. Thousands of women united for the right to vote, proud and unafraid. The right to vote was granted in 1920 because these strong women paved the way. Please honor their hard work and courage by voting on Election Day. That is so good. And the timing could not be better because we all need to get out and vote and especially women. I am passionate about women's issues, and we actually, on the anniversary of uh, the Women's Right to Vote Day, we talked about that on that podcast that night, um, because it took them so long. Did you do any research? Do you know how long it took them from the time they first marched to the time it actually passed? It's okay if you don't, because, yeah, it was over 70 years. So it took them 70 years to get them to pass the right for us to vote. What do you think about that? Well, it was really unfair for us women. (laughs) It was really unfair. That sums up what I am doing this for. It is really unfair for women. So now we all need to vote, right? Yes. Yeah, we need to vote. So I think that's so cool. So who encouraged you, Sage, to enter this contest? My mom and my teacher, Julia West. Yeah. All right. And then you just went to your room and spit out this poem, or how, how'd that work? It was difficult. It was difficult. What was difficult about it? So first, I really didn't want to do it, but my mom pushed me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, are you glad you did now? Yes. So is there a prize? You get a certificate? Yes, I got a medal. Oh, wow. Awesome. Well, if you have a picture with that medal, you need to send it to me, and we'll put that on the website when we post this podcast. Okay. So have you always liked poetry, or this was just something you did because of this contest? Just something I did. Yeah, awesome. And then where did you go to get the medal? Of course, we're in COVID. So. Sugar, no, this was pre-COVID. Sugar mail. Okay. It was their group. Yes. Yeah. My mother-in-law is part of one of the daughters of the American Revolution, but I don't know which group she's in. So you went and read, and did others, were there others there as well? Or no, just you? Just so me. they called you in once they knew you won. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to enter any more contests? Well, there's not really any much going on. Well, of that's COVID. true. That's a good point. So tell me about your tennis. I understand you're a pretty good tennis player. Yes. You are. Yeah. How long have you been playing tennis? Three years. Three years. Wow. Okay. So you like it, obviously. Yes. So tell me about this vegetable garden. Um, 
my godmother encouraged me to like start um, gardening, and I'm gardening basil, corn, cucumbers, carrots. Wow, that's pretty good. So, what's growing right now? The all big, of, yeah, all, all of it's growing right now. Good. Well, would you do me a favor and read your poem one more time? Okay. Read it loudly and slowly. 1920-2020. A hundred years ago, women were not allowed to vote. I know it's hard to believe, but this is not a joke. In 1848, the women's right movement began. Women were tying, tired of being mistreated, so they started a plan. In 1913, they marched into Washington, D.C., in the Women's Suffrage Parade. Thousands of women united for the right to vote, proud and unafraid. The right to vote was granted in 1920 because you strong women paved the way. Please honor their hard work and courage by voting on Election Day. That is so good. That is really, really good. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. I was so excited when I saw it on Dr. Connie's um, Facebook page. And I reached out through a mutual friend that knew her and reached out to her. And here we are. Here we are. So I'm very proud of you. I know a lot of people are. But that's pretty profound that you understand our history and understand the importance because there's still a lot of work us women need to do. Yes. There's still a lot of work. Yeah. So I appreciate you being here. I know you have tennis lessons tonight. So I'm going to end the show. And with that, I will say, as I always do from my grandfather before he passed away, he said, take time to stop and smell the roses. See you guys soon. Thank you so Bye. much. Thank you, dear. Thank you.